Better do this clapping thing. Help it line up, especially as I'm an amateur. We might do it a couple of times. <laughs> yeah, I'm really bad at this. I, I swear it's because there's lag. Yeah, there is. There totally is. So it might actually come out completely different anyway. And I'll have to, I was going to say eyeball it, uh, ear hole it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. One, two, three. Right, we better get it started then. Yeah, how do we start this? Because Andy never actually gives a formal introduction, he just starts chatting. Yeah, so we. I guess we should say that neither of us are Andy. Andy's gone. Just gone, he's sunning himself in the south of France. It's a hard life being Andy Clark. Yeah, I think it's a long holiday as well. Wait, how long is it? At least three weeks. So we're, wait a second, we're taking over unfinished business, right? Whilst Andy's away. Yes, for three weeks. So are we doing three episodes then? We are. I wonder why he trusts us. Because he doesn't know any better. (laughs) Bless him. If if we have any awkward silences, we'll just resort to um, saying derogatory things about Andy. Agreed? Agreed. Cool. So anyway, yeah. So I'm your guest, right? You're yeah. you're ta- you're in control. Yeah. Cool. So I think that um, we're getting back onto the subject of business on this podcast because in the last few episodes, it's been. Quite unbusinesslike, I guess. Um, did you listen to the apes episode? I'm so behind, but doesn't every episode include some reference to apes? Is there an entire episode that, where he's talked about apes? Yes. Last episode, he spoke to Brendan and Jeremy about the new Planet of the Apes film. For the entire episode? Yeah, it was a special. It was a and special. there was no- nothing to do with the web or business? Nope. Nothing at all. Oh, well, we're definitely bringing it right back to to business, aren't we? We are. We, we're almost being sensible in comparison. Yep. But we, we're, we're talking about insurance today, right? Yeah, so I thought... But not boring. No, no, this won't be boring at all. No, it won't be boring. <laughs> uh, I thought because we've covered insurance in the podcast before, but often in the abstract, we sort of mentioned it briefly in passing said yeah maybe you should have insurance but not actually spoken any more about it and as someone who didn't previously have insurance um and recently got my insurance through you uh, I thought it would be interesting to talk about why why should we have insurance how do we get insurance what's it for and I also want to kind of pick your brain as well as a freelancer who didn't have insurance. Yeah. If that's okay with you. Yeah, because I seem to have got by for about five years without any insurance. Yeah, but you're definitely not in the the minority there. Most most people don't. I don't know if you saw the... the it was a very small survey I did, but I don't know if... I think you... Yeah, you filled it in. I think you even retweeted it, I think. Yes, I think uh, I did, yeah. Thank you. Um, and... It, you definitely most people don't have it but what was interesting was that most freelancers who don't have it understand that they should have it yeah that's interesting so it's strange yeah it's strange that they they kind of understand okay i know that i should have this should have business insurance but that they haven't yet gone ahead and and got it so maybe we can 
try to fill in some blanks with this episode. Yeah, I think maybe also the followers that you tweeted the survey out to you may have a slight bias towards the fact that they follow you so they know they're likely to need insurance. Yeah, maybe that's true. I'm just bringing up my 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 statistics here. Oh yeah, it was 72% who didn't have business insurance, but I specifically targeted freelancers with that kind of freelance yeah. web designers and developers. But um, five years, you didn't have it. But throughout that five years of running your business, did you, you never had a client ask you if you have it? No, I didn't, no. Because apparently, I know that's quite common. I do get people coming to me and saying, I need this because I've got a job and they've requested that I have this. So I'm quite surprised that that you didn't run into that. Yeah, maybe it's because I've worked with very small scale clients generally. Um, I haven't done many big corporate contracts or anything like that. So most of my clients are as unprofessional as me. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's not unprofessional though, because at the end of the day, it's not like having insurance for your business as a legal requirement, unless you do employ people, then it is. So it's not like you were you were being unprofessional in an, an illegal sense or anything oh, no, like that. Oh, no, no, no. I think it's just that, yeah, I, I was operating on a small scale. But I think I also thought that insurance would be a lot more expensive. That's definitely, that came up in the survey that I did as well. People don't know how much it's going to cost them. Um, but it's also a bit of a, when people ask me how much is this going to cost me, it's like asking how much, how long is a piece of string because it, there are so many factors that 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 um, depend on what your premium is. Yeah, I actually I think that as an example, I'm going to bring up. I'm going to find out how much my how much the insurance that I got with you is because at least then I have a an example to. It was like a couple of it. hundred pounds for the year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was 156 pounds and 84 pence for the year. Wow, I'm cheap. That was way less than I thought it was. <laughs> I. I this episode isn't supposed to just be an advertisement for you, but obviously my experience of getting insured is uh, very limited to you. But I'm pleased that I did because I think that you helped me when we were going through that form understand why I needed uh, to fill in the various options, what was important to put in those fields, which I think people don't necessarily know. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's something that I should cover here today is, is the kind of key covers for business insurance. But first, I just want to know why after five years, was it that you thought, OK, I'm going to get business insurance now? Was it was it was it just because because you were obviously you were in the audience when I launched my business? Yeah. Insurance by Jack. Um, so was it through that that you thought, oh, maybe I should get insurance? Or was it something that you'd been thinking about doing for a while but putting it off? I'd been putting it off. I was vaguely aware that I should be doing it, particularly since I became a limited company as well. I felt like I'd become a limited company. I'd got an accountant. So I was starting to do things in a more sensible way anyway. And so getting insurance was kind of the tip of that as well it was another thing that kind of made me feel like I was doing things in the most professional way I could uh, but then actually your talk gave me the kick of oh finally there's someone here that I can talk to about it and I don't feel like she's just going to try to rip me off <laughs> yeah well that's good I'm glad that you didn't think that but did you do, when you were thinking about when you you said you were vaguely aware that you needed it 
um, were you it, you said that it was because you were kind of becoming a bit more like you'd, you'd went limited you had an accountant you were taking it a lot more seriously so it was nothing to do with the fact that you were aware that your business had all of these risks it was nothing to do with the risk factor then was it no not really and the way that I've always seen it is I haven't borrowed any money I uh, don't have I have a fair amount of equipment but not that much equipment really and I'm one person so my thoughts were really how much how much a risk is it yeah how much trouble can I possibly get into with the kinds of clients that I'm working with what kind of clients do you work with mostly? Mostly small businesses and startups. So uh, it might be a startup that's got uh, an, a web app product or something like that. I might be working with them on the design. Um, it might be branding for um, for a startup for a small company. Wait, I have a question. Yeah. Okay, right. What is, seriously, what is the difference between a small business and a startup. I can't figure this out. Uh, to be fair, I don't think there is like an official, uh, <laughs> like an official. The way I think about startups, it tends to be uh, people getting together to see if they can get something to work. It tends to be, I tend to refer to things that are in technology, I guess. that. Yeah, yeah. That's where it. they're still maybe in the process of building it. Whereas the small businesses that I work with would be more... Uh, recently, I've done a website for a hostel. Oh, wow. Maybe an existing product or an existing service or someone that works in some kind of client services um, and that kind of thing, which isn't like... I wouldn't call my business a startup because there's I'm, there's no product involved. No, that was a good that was a good definition. Well done, Laura. <laughs> a bit of a rambling definition <laughs> as well. No, but wait, you just said that you've done a, a website for a hostel. Yes. So see, when I think of hostels, I think of like really dirty, seedy... I've never stayed in a hostel before, by the way, but I just think of like really disgusting places that aren't very clean. So, yeah, they've come to you for the really nice, shiny website. There, It's a really nice hostel. It's called Agu Hostel. It's in Ghana, in Accra. In oh, Ghana. wow. And... Yeah, it's a lovely building and they've and it's minimal because that's what a hostel is it doesn't cost very much money but they've got they've painted it really lovely colors the rooms have all they're just nice and clean and simple and it's in a great location and the people that run it are very friendly so I think that it's a um I was really pleased that they found me I, I'm not even sure I remember how but I think we we're quite a good match because I got to make a site that was fun to make is it live yet it is, yeah. Oh, I'll go and have a look at it then. <laughs> Fingers crossed it's all still working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, back to the insurance thing. I was thinking maybe you could explain a few of the key questions that we had on the form off the top of your head that I yeah. have to answer. I think I can remember a few of them, but not all of them. So one of the factors that determines your premium is what type of clients you work with. Yeah. So for yourself, you were quite straightforward because you work with small small businesses. But when it gets into the territory where you're working with, um, maybe you, you, you work with banks or you work with these big financial clients, then it starts to get quite dangerous in insurers' eyes. Um, another one that we, that we need to know generally is what your income is. Um, I think it's the more... 
It's it's strange. I'm not sure how or why that should affect your premium, but I can understand why insurers want to know how long you've been doing what you're doing because obviously the more experienced you are, the more you're considered... Yeah. I don't yeah. know. You're, 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 you're a lower risk because you've not made a mistake or been sued so far. Yeah. So the likelihood of doing so. Yeah, and that's another thing. They obviously like to know if you have ever made any claims before, but with so many freelancers not having business insurance in the first place, <laughs> yeah. that shouldn't really be an issue. So you've got your income, what type of clients you work with, how long you've been doing it. Um, gosh, what else was there? Can you I remember, remember you anything? asked me something about... Um, whether my clients were UK or US based as well. Yeah, okay, so that's that's because apparently in the US they sue about everything. Yeah. So they, they make claims about the smallest of things, whereas in the UK we don't really do that so much. So if you work with US companies, we definitely consider it a bigger risk. And right now that's not something that we're covering but we will cover that because the web is global it just seems so stupid to me that you know in our industry you work with clients from all over the world so I would like to be able to to cover that because it is a global industry um and then obviously we go into what kind of cover you would need for example if you're if you're hiring people if you have staff then you are legally obligated, legally obligated to have employer's liability insurance, but that's the only legal cover that you need to have. And it's such a grey area as well, because um, if, if you work, like you work for yourself, so you don't have to worry about that. But if you were, if you were contracting people and and or if you were if you were giving work placements to interns and stuff, you would probably have to consider getting it because that kind of it's such a broad a broad word that um, employment covers you know such a broad spectrum intern and and work work experience and, and oh, all sorts. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's it's really confusing as well. So for indie, for the company that I'm working with um, with Aral and making the phone and everything. I know that Joe, our operations manager, spoke to yeah, you last week she's about great. possibly. She is great. <laughs> she lifts weights. Yeah, she does. She's pretty, she teaches me how to lift weights. Oh wow! I wish that she was my friend. Uh, you'll have to come down here and hang out with us more. I, it's pretty far away, but <laughs> yeah, but yeah, she yeah we spoke about yeah Andy because you you guys um if, so you you're contracting people. Um, as opposed to kind of employing them full-time, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, because it makes it paperwork and things a lot more straightforward if you're contracting freelancers rather than employing people outright. Uh, eventually, we'll have to employ people outright. Um, but for now, while we're in the initial bootstrapping phase, we have to just work with what, whatever money we've got. Yeah, that makes sense. But And, and like I said, it's such a great area with that kind of thing. Um but it is definitely something that I would recommend that you have. Um, but pe- people consider, I think a lot of people, when they think about getting business insurance for their web-based business, they think, how much risk is there? I sit at a computer all day. I'm not, I'm not taking heavy machinery into anybody's house. You know, how much, how much risk is there? But I also think that because the web industry, in comparison to a lot of other industries as well, is such a new industry, so the risk is actually higher because there's still so much uncertainty about 
what what is expected from clients what is expected from designers and developers with their jobs the example i've always heard for um indemnity insurance is what if as a web designer you put the wrong phone number on the website um, yeah as and the the phone number for customer service or for sales even that would be worse and so the company then received no phone calls for an entire month Uh, they lost out on x amount of their sales and then they may well be likely to try to sue you for the money that they've lost yeah that's and think about how easy that is to do to make one typo and yeah. it can be like you've you've used the telephone as an example there and it could be something list listing the wrong price which you actually see quite a lot you know when people take screenshots of like products on Amazon or something that are that are being sold for 1 million pounds when really what they were meant to sell them for was a pound yeah so it's like really simple things like that a typo that you that you have on the website and you upload it for your client and then of course they can sue you for loss of income because nobody's been able to get through to their their customer helpline or or nobody's purchased the product because it's been at the wrong price so it's it's really simple things like that but yeah i think it can be quite difficult to to think about the risk when you just sit at your computer all day but that's a perfect example of something so simple i know that i make a lot of typos and also I just think that I th- I know myself from because I also do photography as you know. Yeah. And very occasionally I just get one of those clients who is never happy. And you know you know what I mean you can never no matter how hard you try no matter how great work you do you can never keep them happy there's always one client who wants to kick up fuss about everything if you if you do get that bad if you do get that bad client it's obviously really handy to have insurance in place to protect you from any of their outlandish claims (laughs) hopefully you haven't hopefully you don't have one of those laura but i bet you have had a difficult client in the past who just complains about everything you've done everything wrong blah 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 I, yeah, I've had some difficult clients. I've not been in a situation quite like that, but I can imagine if you get the wrong person that things could really end up in that way. Yeah. But, well, let's just think about something for a second right now. Let's just go back to the basics about and actually explain what insurance is, okay? Cool. This is good. Yeah, so insurance okay so the way that i would describe it is if you think about if you have your business and your business at respect of, of what industry you're in it is exposed to risk and it can be something like your office being flooded and that's all of your equipment gone it's it's damaged and you need to replace it or it can be the example that you've just given me there where you you make a typo on the client's website and it costs them loss of income for a month. Now you can't, you probably, it depends on the size of your business and how much equipment you have, but you probably couldn't walk out in that case of your office being flooded and financially replace all of your equipment. For me as a photographer, I have probably about six to eight thousand pounds worth of gear and that's discounting my, my computers um, and if anything happened to all of that, I couldn't just walk out and hand over £8,000 and have it all replaced, you know? Yeah. And same with the, the unhappy client who, you know, the, you've, you've, you've made a typo on the website and now they want to sue you for loss of income, but you also have to stump up your legal fees, which we all know 
are very expensive. So you can't just walk out and, and pay for these things out of your own pocket. So you're transferring the financial responsibility to the insurer. And that, in a nutshell, is what insurance is. And the more that I'm... Because I, I'm new, I'm not new to insurance. I've been in insurance for nine years, but I'm brand new to business insurance. As you know, I only launched insurance by Jack at the beginning of May. But the more that I've been exposed to it and the more research I've done, the more I'm kind of thinking that it's insane for anybody to not have business insurance. And like you said, especially when you consider how how cheap it is and it's a tax deduct- deductible expense too Laura <laughs> you know all the sales <laughs> yeah I'm, but I'm not I'm honestly not trying to that's the one thing that I hope this doesn't come across as I'm just trying to educate people because like I've said we've done that survey 72% of people freelancers sorry don't have insurance so it's really my job not not to sell them my insurance but just to educate them as to why they need it for their business yeah and that's absolutely why I wanted you to talk about it because I think that that was something that I'd wondered for such a long time and it's one of those things it's too easy to go ah now I won't bother because I don't really understand it that was the the way I was with accounting and exactly the same as accounting yeah that's all very well until something goes wrong is it free agent you're using Oh, yes, I, I use free agent, yeah. See, I want to be, I have a lot of respect for free agent and I want my business to be what free, how do I word this? What free agent is to accounting, yeah. I want my business to be to insurance. Did that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. I think that, that would be a cool thing. Free agent yeah. great. Yeah, they, they have such a good... They have a good, um, they have a great team, and they have like a big focus on design, and they've just kind of cracked the the market for um, freelancers, haven't they? That's the kind of market that they target, oh, yeah. like I, myself. I, I couldn't run my business without them at all. I do everything with them. I know, <laughs> I know they're not sponsoring anything, but um, yeah, the time tracking, the invoicing, the bank fees the expenses I do everything with them and without it I would be sitting there with spreadsheets in front of me how depressing spreadsheets yeah. and they're Scottish <laughs> yeah, <bonus. laughs> actually speaking of sponsorship we should probably do uh, the first of our three sponsors that we have for today go for it so the first sponsor we've got here is device lab and I don't know whether um, you come across these same problems that us uh, web folk do. You might have done when you were testing um, your little product that you made, um, your web thing, because um, Venamco, um, they made Ghost Lab. And Ghost Lab is this really cool tool that you can use. You just drag in the folder that you're working on, drag in the URL that you're working on, and you can instantly test um, your website across any device that you've got. If it can take in a URL, then you can use it. It's a really fantastic app. But this isn't the app. This is their responsive development stand called Device Lab. So in our office, um, which we've got downstairs, we have about 12, 50, maybe 20 or so devices knocking around. Um, And that's just the handheld ones. When you're going to make a phone, you have to research a lot of phones. And I was actually talking to Joe um, in my office this week about it. I was saying, we should really get one of those device lab stands. There's these really beautiful um, stands. And you can put all of your devices into the stand. It keeps all the cables away neat and tidy. 
It can hold an average of four to seven devices, that's both phones and tablets, depending on the size and where you put them in. You attach them with a Velcro hook and loop, so they stay neatly in place. And that means that when you've then got it in front of you, if you're testing everything in portrait, you can see how everything's working in portrait, you can then turn the whole stand round by 90 degrees, so then you can test everything in landscape. It's brilliant. What a great idea. That's designed by someone who has done a lot of testing like that. It's really well designed. And it's a very beautiful product, very minimal. I think it would look very much at home on the desk of uh, anyone like us that's got loads of Apple products and other things. The price is... I'm just... Oh, sorry. I was just... I just wanted to interrupt there because I'm just looking at it right now and it's one of those products that... um, it's one of those products that you look at and you think this is so amazing and simple why didn't i think of that yeah why couldn't you be making money off device lab (laughs) stands rather than insurance (laughs) so how much does it cost it costs 149 dollars plus shipping but for 20 dollars more you can buy one that includes a license for the ghost lab app as well that i was just talking about and that's really cool because ghost lab the app is usually 49 dollars in itself And they do an agency package, which I think we might need to get because we have so many devices. It it includes three device lab stands and five Ghost Lab licenses and free express shipping. So you can get it all really quickly as well for just $499. That's a really good deal. So are you going to get one? I think I might have to get one. get, Get one as a treat for everyone downstairs. So if you want to... Well, not if you want to, you should go to unfinished.bz slash device lab and buy yourself a device lab now. Hmm. That was my first ever sponsor read, so that may have been completely terrible. <laughs> that that was great. I didn't think that was your first one. Well, it, it helps that I think it is a genuinely cool product. And I think that's what Andy always says is that he always gets in things that he actually really believes yeah. in. And fortunately, all of the uh, sponsors that we've got lined up are things that I think are really cool. Yeah, you guys always have really good sponsors of stuff that I would use myself. Yeah, some savvy sponsors there. They know their market. <laughs> so shall I, shall I tell you about... Or do you have any more questions? Or shall I tell you about the three key covers a business should have no please tell me about the three key covers three key (laughs) covers well i think personally that the most important can you hear the bagpipes by the way no okay because it's it's the commonwealth games here in glasgow right now the city's gone mental bagpipes everywhere anyway um right i think the most important cover for a designer and developer is professional indemnity, okay? okay? And that's the one that we've just kind of talked about with the typos, but it basically covers you if you make any mistakes at all. And the number one biggest claim against web designers in particular, or designers in general, is copyright infringement, oh. which is quite surprising because I thought that designers would be quite con- conscientious. Is that the right word? Yes, designers should be conscientious about, about that. About that kind of thing, yeah, definitely. Yeah, don't just go copying the first images you find on Google. No, but I've, I, when I was working in, um, kind of slightly going off on a tangent here, when I was working in the co-working space and I was working around designers, I'd see them going to Google Images to, to get photos to use for their, their work, but they would manipulate it enough that they said it was fine to use. Is, is that okay? No, I don't think it is. There are specific licenses for images that allow you to 
um, manipulate it and do that. But that's not cool. That's not not a cool thing to do. No, you should... You think about the people like you, Ashley, that are taking these photos... You wouldn't want someone to take an image that, you, like, that you shot and then say, "Oh, well, I changed it enough." Like that's no, no excuse. That's I, a terrible excuse. I keep finding my photos popping up everywhere lately, and one of the things that I do as well um, when I when I go out to to cool places in Glasgow to eat. Oh, I can hear oh, Oscar going crazy. <laughs> I think that's a roll coming in. Yeah, that's the sound of a dog who's excited about somebody coming home. Um, dog claws clicking yeah Yeah, I take my camera out to to places when I go for food and I take photos of the food and I put them on my website and then one of the restaurants that I eat at I went onto their website just out of the blue I don't know why I think I was looking at their opening hours and there was there were my photos that they were using on their website wow like with no no credit no and I always I find that people are generally really courteous and they get in touch with me and say I don't have any money can I use this and I'll say yes just because you asked you're nice take it use it (laughs) yeah but they just took it and when I sent them a message um they were really rude to me about it and they were like yeah it was so crazy but stuff like that I I could I could sue them but I'm not going to um so the restaurant could actually ring you up and offer you a meal in return for your photos or something nice like that I think that that, do you know what, that could be a whole episode in and of itself is how to deal with, like that was custom, that was an opportunity for them to display that they had good customer service, but instead they were just like, um, they were just like, I'd I'd emailed them and I hadn't heard back. So I went onto Facebook and posted it on their page and they were just like, Ashley, take this down off our page immediately. And then they just deleted it off themselves. And then I found that my photos were on their Facebook page too. And I left another comment and they deleted that as well. But my photos are still there. But anyway, oh, that's, that's yeah, it's that's annoying. So as a photographer, yeah, I can that, that really irritates me. But that is the number one biggest claim towards designers is copyright infringement. So professional indemnity covers you if you if you kind of unintentionally, you know, breach that. It, it covers you for any mistakes you make. Um it covers you for kind of, um, I always get this word wrong. Is it label and sli- I can't say Libel. that word. Libel. Can't say that word. I should probably learn that word. You should Libel. watch more Law and Order and things like that. <laughs> yeah, I should do that. Um, but I, that's as soon as anybody says to me that they work in the web, that's the one cover that I say to them you should definitely have without a doubt. And that's the cover that you have. Yeah. Um, but the other key cover is public liability, which is this completely depends on your circumstances so for you we decided that we wouldn't go ahead with it because you don't really spend a great deal of time um in regular contact with your clients no i spend i work almost entirely remotely yeah yeah and and that basically covers you for um any damage that you would do to to your client or their property, which I always find quite bizarre because you're not really going to go to work for a client and then kick them in the shins, are you? Yeah, or, may- or maybe trash you are. their office if you get yeah, annoyed with them. <laughs> uh, exactly. But the one example that I would always give is, for example, if you work on site, if you're contracted to work on site at client premises and you spill your coffee on their laptop and you're liable to pay the damage, in that case, yes, but it really boils down to how often you're making contact with with your clients or members of the public or if they visit your office too and they sustain an injury 
in your office, you know, tripping over a cable or falling up the stairs or down the stairs rather. People don't yeah. really fall up the stairs. Well, do I, they? I think I remember Andy saying something about him having some very tricky stairs up to his office and uh, his insurance needing to cover that. Oh, wow. There you go. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm definitely going to have to try and lure Andy over to 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 get a quote from me when his insurance comes up for renewal. But yeah, that kind of thing, when, when public liability is, it really just boils down to how often you're either in the company of your clients or having clients visit your office. So for you, we kind of thought it wasn't really needed. Um, and, and they the, have that insurance as well. Then they, the clients would have their own type of insurance that would cover the yeah. activities that they do too. Uh-huh. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, that's not a legal requirement. So you probably would get people who, who don't have it. But I think any smart business that's making a lot of having clients on their premises would, would have that. They should have it. Um. And the last key cover, which I kind of already mentioned, is employer's liability, and that's the only one that you're legally obligated to have. And if you if you do employ people, okay, if you do have two or three people working for you full time, and you don't have that cover, you can be fined two and a half grand a day for each day you've went without that cover, which is insane, isn't it? That is, oh yeah, that's a huge amount of money. Yeah, so if if you are employing people and you don't have that, I, I won't tell on you, but please get it sorted. Um, don't worry, I wasn't speaking directly to you there. Laura. I just met in <laughs> I'm general. I'm secretly employing people. <laughs> um, those are the three key covers, and then you obviously have other things like your business contents insurance. Now, this is another one that I think confuses people because a lot of people like yourself work from home. Yeah. And so they think that perhaps their house contents insurance covers their their laptops that they use for work. Now, I know from experience, I had a, an issue once with my own laptop where um, somebody kicked over a glass of red wine all over my MacBook Pro. Mm. And um, when I came to make a claim and the insurer asked me, do you use it for business or pleasure? I do use it for business. You know, this is what I edit all my photos on. This is what I do all of my my insurance work on and all my programming on. But if I had said that I used it for business, then they wouldn't have covered the cost because I haven't actually said to them when I took out insurance, by the way, this is used for business. Insurance yeah. is really funny that way. So you have to be really careful about that. You have to make sure that you've either stated to your, your insurer that you do use your your you know your your laptop and whatnot, your computers for business, um, and if they don't cover it, then you'd need to get business contents insurance. Because I think that just think about how important our tools are. I couldn't live without my computer. I couldn't get any work done without my computer. And you're the same. Yeah. Um, and again, it's just a case of if you, if you think about it that way, you can't. If something happened to your office and you can't just walk out and replace it all, you know, out of your own pocket, then you really should have business contents insurance um but i think that about that's that's kind of the key covers for our industry at least i think yeah um did all of that make sense that does make sense that makes a lot of sense so when so someone needs to get insurance when they start their business essentially so i was thinking of when should people get insurance uh, because i left it so late but the answer really should be when you're buying that expensive equipment when you're starting to work with those clients that's when you need the insurance from then so really, from when the day you start, you need insurance. 
I would say so. I mean, remember that you can always cover the cost over um, 12 months as well if you want to spread their payments like I do with my photography. I think I pay about £36 a month to cover, and and that's me covered for public liability, professional indemnity and my contents too, which is insanely cheap if you think about it. Yeah. Um, So I would say if you're going to start a business, hit the ground running, you know, spread the payments over 10 months if you don't have that cash up front. And you you could be paying something like 20 quid a month, like I said, tax deductible um, for the sake of protecting yourself against any silly mistakes you have, you you make and protecting your your equipment too, which, which we need to get our jobs done. Yeah. So if someone was to get insurance and not through insurance by Jack, how, how would you go about finding where to get insurance as a general rule? Where's the I, best place to look for business insurance? Well, to be honest, I would say go on to Twitter and ask your your peers. Uh, that, and there's I can't think of any resource right now online that gives you unbiased information about insurers. I don't think there is one. Maybe that's something somebody should build. Yeah, because I think at one point, I think I do... in maybe a couple of years ago, I did look up getting business insurance. And I think I might have used some kind of comparison site or something like that. And I found... I hate comparison websites. I know you do. (laughs) And I found it so confusing that I was was just like, ah, no, I give up. Um, And so I guess that's kind of like accounting as well. When you want to find a good accountant, it's very easy to Google and find something, but it's much harder to... uh, like if you actually ask someone um who do they recommend that you're much more likely to get real recommendations yeah. of real people who will genuinely help you rather than yeah. whoever's best at SEO yeah you're right i, I mean it's it's funny that I think about it there really should be some kind of unbiased resource for for these kind of things i think the closest thing i can think of is Ozold, but even they don't really have an insurer you know Ozold? I don't think so. Oh. The name rings a bell. Yeah, so Ozold, I'm just going to bring it up now, sorry if you hear me typing, is by, um, I want to call him Ryan Havoc. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. And yeah. Dan Edwards. Oh, and, yes, yeah. I do know. Well, I know of it. I haven't actually looked at it much, if I'm honest, but so it does look really cool. Yeah, they have a, a, is it a finance legal, that's it, legal, was it legal or finance section, which Insurance by Jack was in, but something like that would be great for, for unbiased kind of insurance resources. But yeah, I've just seen people go onto Twitter and ask their friends um, who they use, and you generally get the same names being brought up. Yeah. So I would just do that. Um, and also I'm quite good at if somebody comes to me like I did it with Joe when Joe came to me about insurance for Indy I said we can't cover that but I did cover names of other insurers who I think would be appropriate so I'm quite good at um, I'm a terrible businesswoman basically Um, I don't just think (laughs) about making money for myself I think my end goal is to just help the person who's needing insurance you know but yeah definitely just ask your ask your pals on twitter and, and you'll that's get some not good terrible replies. i think what goes around comes around if you recommend other people's services they'll recommend you and it's a nice ethical thing to do i think i agree with you i think we don't always need to be competitive in order to get ahead no you're right we don't need to be greedy I think I could do a whole episode on that, that's for sure. Really? Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe we should do that then. <laughs> maybe we should, yeah. Maybe we should take votes. We should 
because um, I think we have maybe some ideas for the next episode, but maybe for the third one, if if anyone has any particular suggestions that they'd like us to talk about, I'm I'm up for for some suggestions if you are. Yeah, definitely. So you yeah. can yeah tweet us. We'll tell you how at the end of the show. I'm quite excited about the fact that we're getting to kind of bring Andy's podcast back to business. <laughs> no, no like we're apes. going behind his back. <laughs> yeah. Let's let's not mention apes at all in the next few episodes or talk about <laughs> movies or video games. He doesn't talk about video games actually. No, no, we we could easily talk about Well, video yeah, games we could actually. But let's not. Let's not. Let's do another sponsor. Yeah. We have a long-time fantastic sponsor, which is Perch, everybody's favourite content management system. It's designed to help both design agencies and individual designers and developers develop great sites that clients will really love. That's what Andy says in the text. I love Perch, I use Perch, and I think it's fantastic. It's such an easy way. You add the um, the content fields into your HTML and CSS. You can... Uh, built a really beautiful static site and then you just need to paste in these little bits of perch to make it suddenly working um, with a content management system it's so straightforward and you don't you save a lot of hassle i know a lot of content management systems are big and bloated and hard to use or they've been designed for one thing and they're being reappropriated as another so you have a site that's a shop and you're using wordpress as a content management system WordPress isn't really set up for that kind of thing. It's very tricky to to use their admin for products and things like that. Whereas Perch is so simple, it's so clean, and you can just make it work exactly as you need it to for that particular client. So you won't have to spend loads of time training your clients. It's very easy for a client to go in, you give them their login, and they'll be able to see exactly what they can edit, update it, and see the changes in, in the page. And it's also super fast. It, it's so quick. They spend so much time making it work really well. And they also spend a huge amount of time with different web hosts and learning the ins and outs of all of these different hosting challenges to make sure that Perch works as well as it possibly can on a huge variety of different hosts. So you don't have to have any fancy um, languages, any fancy things installed on your site. If it's if you've got PHP, which pretty much all hosts do have, you can make it work. It's brilliant. So if you want to actually dig into seeing how Perch works, you can look at their great demos that they have on the site. And so to go find out a bit more about Perch, you should go to unfinished.bz slash grab a perch. And by going by that URL, they'll know that we sent you. Um, I don't know if I've ever said this before online, but I have a total girl crush on Rachel Andrew, who's behind Perch. She, I yes, I do too. Um, and it's funny because when I was just starting out, she was already writing loads of really cool blog posts. Uh, her and Drew have been doing stuff for the web for such a long time. And given that they're both actually very young as well, that's extraordinary and I always really like admired Rachel for just yeah. how she just got everything done and over the years I actually got to know her and then when I got to make her site uh, like I designed the new version of her website that was a proper like oh fan get on woman <laughs> <laughs> she asked me isn't that nice oh yeah I was 
really I now I'm kind of hoping that she doesn't listen to this and find out <laughs> what a loser I am. No, she is putting out I think some of the best content that I'm reading online right now, like her newsletter about building a profitable side project. And also, and I know that I'm kind of going off, off on a tangent now, but there's just so much, I'm getting really fed up with this whole um, approach to building businesses and then using, um, using other people's money and yeah. then selling them. Whereas they have built just this small business that, that isn't going to make them billionaires, isn't going to get bought by Google, but it's just, they've just built this really healthy small business. Yeah. I, I don't know, I just have a lot of respect for them. I am, um, am high-fiving you across the entirety of the country. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, no, that's, that's exactly what we're, with Indie, that's something that we care about a huge amount as well, is building independent products that yeah. are alternatives to these venture capital backed um things that inevitably you end up they get bought out um they get uh what's the there's a acqui hired or something mm-hmm. like that and your favorite product and all your data disappears and gets sold on to somebody else who you might not approve of it's, it's yep. so cool but yeah perch is a great example of that it's like you're supporting your local independent shops that you have we've got loads of them in brighton and i think uh, things like Perch is supporting a uh, your local independent web business. Yeah, I agree with you. So there you go. This hasn't just been an advert for Perch. It's also been an advert for Rachel Andrew. Yeah. She's amazing. She deserves it. She deserves her own advert. Yeah, you should. Yeah, and you should read her blog. She she writes like a demon. She writes so much. I know. I really. I I, I want to be. I want to be like Rachel. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I think I'd like to be like Rachel when I grow up. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, insurance. Yeah, back onto insurance. <laughs> um, I'm just. Really, oh yeah. So I was curious actually. What is your role as? Because you're a broker, aren't you, of insurance? Well, right now I am an. you can call me many things you can call me an introducer you can call me an affiliate so yeah I lack a lot of control over many things right now and I think that you yeah we're kind of going to get into talking about what it is I'm planning and doing and yeah I'm wanting to go out on my own so what's the position when someone gets insurance through because that's actually how I all of my like my grandparents and aunties and uncles and things like that when they got insurance I would always heard about them speaking to their broker and I always thought it sounded terribly grown up and sophisticated (laughs) but I wasn't I had no idea what that meant at all so what what does being a broker or being an introducer entail I think it's just where you you know the market, you know the products. You, for example, I'm really lucky because I'm targeting a specific audience that I'm really familiar with, and I've done a lot of uh, because I'm targeting um, kind of web professionals, and I've done so much work in the web industry myself that I really understand um, not just the insurance industry but the web industry too so I'm kind of marrying my knowledge of both of those industries together and a good broker will basically just do what I did with you where we talk about your business we go into detail about your clients and we come to the conclusion about the best cover that you need so instead of me just saying yeah Laura you need this and you need that and you need this and overselling you stuff a broker will basically just talk to you in detail about your business and figure out what the best 
cover for you is. That's really it in a nutshell. Yeah, so they're, they're a good guy, um, someone that works for they you. They do have bad, well, but they do have bad reputations, um, unfortunately, because obviously with every industry, not everybody is, not everybody has good intentions, not everybody is good at what they do. So there have been some brokers who've, who've given um, the kind of brokering industry uh, a bad, a bad reputation. But I'm a good guy. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> yeah, you are. But yeah, that's that's just their their aim basically. Yes, they are the middleman, but their goal is to kind of break down the barriers and explain things to you. Yeah, you make and it that, more accessible. Exactly, yeah. Um so that's pretty much what I do, but I'm an introducer, but what I want to do, what my big grand plan goal in life is is to really just become a fully-fledged insurer where I'm running the entire show. So everything from the customer support, you know, people um, making claims through to the quoting experience. I'm sure you know how important that is to me. Haven't haven't heard me talk about it. Yeah, um, yeah I you've always... talked about it on previous shows, haven't you, as well? Yeah. yeah, it's really important to me. I think technology in the insurance industry sucks and... Nobody, and I can kind of understand why, because it is so complex. Getting a quote is so complex because insurers need to know a lot of questions before they decide if they'll, if they'll cover you. But I still think that there are better ways to do it. And we're definitely starting to see America, they're, they're really advancing their technology with insurance and making it more human and, and accessible. But we in the UK are way behind. So I kind of want to do that for the UK insurance industry. Um, but I can't do that in the position I'm in right now when I'm an introducer because I'm lacking that control. So that's my, my big goal is to become a fully-fledged insurer, write my own policies, have my own my own customer support, have my own quote system. That's the dream. How, how, how do you go about doing that? How do you well, become qualified to do that? This is really interesting because... Do you know that I could not find that information anywhere? And that's so typical of the insurance industry that yeah. it's just so... You, you just can't type in, how do I become an insurance broker? And you don't get steps saying, step one, you need to do this, step two. It was so all over the place. Even when I phoned the FSA who regulate you, the financial services authorization, they regulate you. And even when I phoned them and, them and said, this is what I want to do, they still couldn't tell me what I needed to do <laughs> so it, it was so frustrating but I'm I'm the kind of person who I'm not afraid to look stupid I'll hold my hand up and say guys I need help I don't know what I'm doing and I met Alex Mills um who you if you've seen The Apprentice you'll know him did you watch The Apprentice last year no no I I, I I'm scared of The Apprentice <laughs> Well, you might still know this guy because I didn't watch it and I knew who he was because he had really weird eyebrows. Honestly, everybody, <laughs> you'll, you'll know his face. He has the, he has weird eyebrows. He knows this, so I'm not bitching about uh, yeah, him. He knows he has. I hope he doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, no, he totally <laughs> plays off the facts that he has weird eyebrows. Okay. So I, I met him when I was speaking in Wales, and he's an insurance broker. And he sat down with me over a pint and said, this is exactly what you need to do. And he outlined all of the steps that I need to take to become um, a fully-fledged insurer. So I now realise that I need to get my qualifications, which I'm already studying towards doing, and I need to study my market and then basically write my own policy and take it to an underwriter and say, I have these qualifications, so you know that I'm 
you know, you know that I'm I'm serious about what I do or I'm good at what I do. You know, I've passed a test. Don't get me started in that, though. I just don't quite understand the whole... This, I don't really understand the need for um, qualifications. But anyway, that's another story. Um, go to the underwriter, say, this is the market I'm targeting. Um, this is this is the, their kind of biggest claims. This is what they make claims on. This is what they generally need. And can we write a policy together? And they'll underwrite it, and I'll have my own my own quote system, and I'll be qualified, and everything will be great. That sounds really cool. So it's not as complicated as I thought it would be. But of course, when you when you just look on these insurance websites, they make it complicated. Yeah. So you have the opportunity to make it simple. Yeah, so if everything goes to plan, I'll be setting my exams in September and I'm already doing my research into the market now. Um, so it's a long process, though, so it could take about... It could take a year. But do you know what, Laura? What? If you want... And you know this yourself, working with Indy. If you want to make a big, a big difference to an industry or a big change in your own life, you're never going to do it playing it safe you're never going to do it like right now I am playing it safe I'm an introducer that's that's me entered into the insurance industry at the lowest possible barrier of entry least responsibility but for the things that I want to achieve I'm never going to be able to achieve it if I continue to do what I'm doing so we need to we need to work hard and put the effort in and, and go big or go home yeah Agreed? absolutely yeah yeah you can't you can't achieve anything just sitting back and watching other people do it you have to work really hard and face all that difficult stuff and it will be worth it yes and I'm so excited because I just I'm so excited right now I don't know if you can tell um (laughs) but just to be able to because right now I like I've said I lack so much control I'm kind of introducing people to another insurer which means that they're getting the other insurer's quoting experience they're getting the other insurer's customer service experience yeah i would love to be able to engineer every single aspect when people come onto my website when people speak to speak to me on the phone when people get a quote online everything is my control and i have that sounds really um like i'm really dominant dominating no, but no that sounds like how people make good products is by yeah. designing great experiences Exactly, and um, and I'm just really excited, and I'm going to give it. I'm going to give it everything. I'm going to give it my all. So hopefully this happens. But if you if you keep an eye on my business over the next year, maybe there will be some big changes. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting, and I'm looking yeah. forward to hearing about it as we go along. Yeah. And exams in September already. So you yeah. studying in the summer. Yeah, I mean it's it's this this first exam is quite basic. Um so and it's 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 just to show that you have an understanding of how insurance works, which I do. And it's why I feel really funny about qualifications because I don't really think that they mean much. I've spent 9 years in the insurance industry gaining experience from doing it as opposed to just reading a piece of paper and then answering some questions. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah, so you're but just if, proving that you know about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, but if that's what it has to to take to for them to regulate me and take them seriously, then so be it, you know. Yeah, is it very expensive to take the exams? Yes, it's so expensive. Well, I think it's expensive. You pay for all of your study material too. I've, I've, which I didn't realize that you had to do. I think that I've, I've never been to university, by the way. You have to do that in uni, don't you? Yeah, yeah, you do. Well, I mean, the fees cover the exams, but. Yeah, you have to buy all of your own study material. 
Well, for each kind of exam and study material that I buy, and I think I'm going to have to be doing about three exams, I think each exam costs me about four to five hundred pounds. Oh, so yeah, it's, it's so cheap. it's not cheap. So I better pass it first time. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even think about that. Oh, then yeah, and you yeah. have to repay every time as well. Yeah, I guess it's a good incentive to to knuckle down and oh, study yeah, but hard. You work very hard. Oh yeah, definitely. I have a great work ethic if I do say so myself. Yeah, I, I think I do as well. I, I think we should be proud of it when we have good yeah. work, work ethics. There's no, no, that's that's a whole other thing I could talk about as well in another episode is work ethic, yeah. to be honest. Gosh, I'm sure we won't run out of stuff to talk about. Oh no, no, I think we could talk forever. <laughs> yep. I think we should do our last sponsor which is Deconstruct, the fantastic conference. And Ashley, you, well, I guess you're doing your exams in September. You don't want to come down and uh, attend Deconstruct with us? What date is it? It is the 5th of September. Friday, the 5th of September. It's always one of those conferences that I've wanted to go to. But see, for somebody like myself who isn't a full-time web developer or designer would I benefit from it well that's the whole thing is that it's not a specific design and development conference it's not like any of those conferences unlike anything else I've ever been to and I can say this as someone who's been the lot to the last I think three maybe four um deconstruct but it's more general it's inspiring talks about technology and it covers things that are cultural other things about the modern world and this year's theme is living with the network which has got so much potential particularly in the times we're living in at the moment so it's generally it's people giving really great interesting talks about a wide range of topics vaguely under this theme and there's always something funny there's always so many things that are interesting people telling fantastic stories people explaining particular things about technology Every year is different and every year is great. I think Jeremy in particular does a very good job of curating the talks. And this year there's uh, Warren Ellis, there's Mandy Brown, Brian Suda, and I think recently they've also announced that Corey Doctorow is also speaking. And I think if we're covering living with the network, if you're interested in the areas of privacy and human rights and things like that, you'll find that very interesting. Uh, if you want to find out more about Deconstruct, you can listen to the recordings uh, from the previous years. They've got them all on archived on the Deconstruct website, archive.deconstruct.org. Or you can just go on my recommendation, because I love it. And as soon as the email comes through um, into my inbox saying it's time to buy Deconstruct tickets, I am there every year. It's easy, it's, it's easy for me because you, I also get to hang around with people in, my, in the town that I live in because Brighton is a fantastic place to go. And it's part of the Brighton Digital Festival, so we have loads of events going on, I think over wow. about a month. And so there's also, on that weekend, there's also a maker fair and an indie web camp. And there's, as part of the Brighton Digital Festival, there's also tends to be a lot of other art and cultural and tech technological events going on so there's loads to do so it's worth coming down for a proper little holiday beginning of september it's probably gonna be really nice weather and around here when the weather's great it's even better isn't it always sunny in brighton it is when there's conferences on 
Oh, really? <laughs> it's true, actually, the last few conferences, it's been really sunny in Brighton. Um, it's been it's really nice to show off Brighton and the lovely weather. I mean, even when it's a bit grey, there's plenty to do. So bad. the weather's not going to be that bad. It, it never gets properly cold unless you're here in sort of the depths of winter. And you have to come eat all the good food as well. We have loads of good restaurants and stuff like that here. I think Andy said he's going to come and yeah. try the burger in a brioche bun. So this is I, I think I've missed I've missed an inside joke or I've missed an episode or something. You, you What's the deal few, with brioche? A few episodes. But I've seen him tweet pictures and talk about this, and I'm I'm like nah, I don't get it. What's What's the he, deal? I think it I might have started on one of the episodes that I was on where we were talking about burgers and the the buns that you have, and he he was complaining that it was a brioche bun, and why is it a brioche? But they're amazing. Bun? Exactly. And so he needs to come to Brighton to experience. It might sound pretentious, but it tastes good, and that's what matters. How do they originate from Brighton or something? No, no, brioche is French, I think. Oh, that's what I was thinking. It sounds French. No, it's just because you know Brighton's a bit trendy sometimes. <laughs> I really want to go to Brighton. When I was in, because um, I was shooting a wedding in yeah, Lewis, which is, which is just near up Brighton. The road, yeah. Yeah, and it was um, like that town blew my mind. It was so beautiful, and the weather was amazing. And I just thought, I bet this is what it's like all the time down south. The the at the moment, the weather has been fantastic. The last few months, it's been really lovely. I'd say Brighton architecturally may not be as beautiful as Lewis, but we've got the beach. Exactly, it's a very nice beach, and lots of lovely green spaces as well. So you need to get your ticket at unfinished.bz slash deconstruct with the offer code unfinished. The price comes down from what was already a very reasonable £150 plus VAT to £125 plus VAT. So that's a really great saving and that's less than I paid for my ticket because I paid the full price. <laughs> Bet you're kicking yourself now. Oh, no, it's worth it. It's it's worth supporting yeah. them. That, so that's unfinished.bz slash deconstruct. So that's all our sponsors done. That was a lot of sponsors. It was it was a lot of good sponsors. Yeah, I'm sponsors. happy with those sponsors. And thank you, sponsors. Thank you, sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I should I it's one of those conferences that I've always told myself I'd go to. But for whatever reason, I have yet to go. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't have a good excuse. But September, I might actually be nipping off to... I don't know if you've seen this for, uh, photography workshop in Iceland oh, yes. that's happening in September yeah. with Dan I've Rubin. Seen, I've seen lots of... Uh, Connor and Greg are doing it as well, aren't they? Yeah, and Anna Debenham's got a ticket too. So it just looks like it would be really interesting and fun. I might, I might go to that. Oh, it does sound great. I... I massively envy you if you go. I'd, I'd love to. You could go. I, I could, but I have uh, not very much money and we're preparing for a crowdfunding campaign, so we have a little bit too oh, much yeah. work to do, I'm afraid. Oh, yeah, that old chestnut yeah, work. Yeah. <sighs> and I did just get yeah. back from holiday. So that was that was our break. Um, I think we, we now are set to work for the next million years. I've just realised something. What? So this is a photography workshop in Iceland. I I could totally... That's totally a business expense, right? Because I'm teaching myself... I'm learning Absolutely. photography, right? right? Yeah. yeah, there you go. Sold yeah. it. Conference is business, business expense as well. Oh, that's totally wow. a networking yeah. opportunity for you. 
Now there's no excuse not to go. Exactly. Apart from the fact that I don't have a passport, but still. But you don't have a passport. Uh, well, I've sent away for it, but have you not seen all of these strikes and stuff and oh. they're taking ages to process them? So I think I'm going to have to sell my ticket to a conference I was going to this month in, in Stockholm because I don't think I'll get it oh, on that's time. such a shame. Yeah, Stupid, never mind. But I, need to, I need to get my passport renewed for next year, I think. But finally, I can get rid of that horrible photo that I've had for 10 years. <laughs> Oh, Laura, I bet your photo isn't as bad as mine. Oh, I don't know. I look psychotic. Well, we should definitely take a picture of our photos and stitch them together and upload it and put it in the show notes or something. Because <laughs> I, would, I would win hands down, I'm, I guarantee. I was a mosher. But I have big earrings. Um, I just look quite scary. <laughs> but horrib- <laughs> What's horrifying is that in my face, I don't look any different at all. Um, I, I just haven't <laughs> aged. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good thing okay. questionable when you see this photo I can't believe I'm going to share it <laughs> yeah no let's do that that'll be fun we'll do that right I think we should wrap it up as Andy says Mm-hmm. yeah let's go and enjoy your Sunday evenings yeah. so if uh, if you guys have any suggestions for topics or anything you want to ask us or discuss over the next couple of episodes you can contact Ashley Ashley who are you on Twitter I am Ashley on Twitter because I am Ashley and I am Laura Kalbag that's K-A-L-B-A-G for anyone that has any hilarious ideas about how that should be spelt wait how do people get that wrong? Oh, I used to get Laura Cowbag all the time when I was young what cow? Yeah, like, as in moo oh funny people oh, yeah. eh? they're hilarious <laughs> you can't really do anything interesting with my surname other than oh Baxter's like the soup but that's not offensive no. That, that that must have made school fairly straightforward. <laughs> I think it was it was harder being um having red hair in school. Ah, uh, yeah. People like to bully you if you've got red hair. Which is bizarre because your hair's amazing. And it, it well, thank you. Red hair rocks. But anyway, right, let's let's Yeah, go let, let's let these people get on with whatever they were doing before they were listening to the podcast. I'll speak to you next week, Laura. Yeah, see you next week. Bye. Yeah, you, they could have done a great thing. They could have said... Uh, they, you, they could they, have given me a free meal. Yeah, they could get you a free meal out of you. <laughs> what was that noise? That was Oscar. What was he doing? He's, he's chatting. Oh. I I, huskies do that, don't they? Yeah, he does. Oh, he's showing off his toys downstairs now. That's I, so I'm, funny. I think I might get away with shutting the door now. He's. Oh, no, no. I thought I would, but he's come back upstairs. Oh, don't you bring that noisy thing in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that's he's, so funny. He's just bought a, a reindeer antler into the uh, the office to gnaw on. Yeah, and dropped it on the floor. He's so You're noisy. You're not going to be able to do that quietly. <laughs> You're going to have to do the mean thing and take it away. <sighs> oh, Sorry, poor puppy. Oscar. Are you going to take this? No, come on. <laughs> so funny. He doesn't. He doesn't. Oh, I'm gonna. I'll chase him out. Go on. Okay. Oh.